This episode of InsureTech Insider is proudly brought to you by Deloitte. They are focused on uniting the bright ideas from InsureTech with large-scale traditional carriers and everything in between, bringing, of course, their wealth of industry experience and technology know-how into the mix, helping to drive the pace of change and transform insurance as we know it. to another episode of InsureTech Insider. I'm David Breer and I'm here with my co-host Nigel Walsh. Say hi Nigel. Hey. How's it going? You've been away on holiday right? <laughs> yeah no tan unfortunately. Far too hot for that. Far too hot to go outside. That's never a good thing on holiday. Okay uh, so on today's episode we'll be sitting down with Phoebe Hugh the CEO of Broly to delve a little bit into what they've been doing with their InsureTech startup and the principles that needed to be challenged in the industry to do that. We'll then follow up with this week's news from around the InsureTech space on this month's episode of InsureTech Insider. So first up in the news, we have Broly. So Broly, a AI-driven insurance app, raises a million pounds. Pretty impressive raise there for, for such a small company. Yeah, great to see as well. And I think, as we'll see later when we speak to Phoebe, it's kind of the darling story of the insurance industry. Someone who's come out of a, an incumbent, gone out with an idea and recreated from scratch. I think they're doing some great things over there. So great to get Phoebe's perspective on this and see what they're going to do with the money. Well, let's hear from Phoebe. We're here with Phoebe Hugh from Brawley Insurance. So Phoebe, how did you come to be working in insurance? I mean, I was studying um, psychology at university, but I had a very mathematical background and I was very interested in going to the financial services. I didn't end up going to one of the banks. I, I you could say I fell into it, but um, you know, I, I applied to Aviva as the only insurance company and that's where I um, started on a graduate program. So how I got into the industry. Yeah. So, I mean, what's the origin story of Brawley? Where did the whole idea come from? Was it while you were um, at Aviva? Was it something from before? Or um, When I was at Aviva, I started realizing that the, the industry hadn't really changed in, in the way that products are built and the way that they're priced sort of worldwide um, over the last century. And seeing that there's basically a real lack of control and management for people. And from that stems quite a number of problems. And that involves a huge lack of transparency and people eventually paying too much for too little. And um, this feeling that people feel that they're being screwed. And we felt that you know, the industry could be built in, in a better way that was fairer. And we thought that we could do that. So yeah, yeah. so kind of just the idea of sick of people being screwed over by an industry that's yeah. just not evolving or anything. I mean, the insurance industry at the moment, it's, it's really interesting because it's becoming ever more technology driven. So I mean, new ways for customers to um, transact and even technology coming out with new types of insurance. Um, how is Brawley driving that forward? We're starting with focusing on what customers have right now. That's what we see as the biggest issue, is that the, the market is so fragmented. Um, there are so many different players in it, and that's not just insurers. You've got price comparison sites, you've got brands, you have banks, you have brokers. Um, there's, there's so many pieces in, in the puzzle. And we're trying to get 
more towards a state of purity <laughs> um, where customers have uh, products that are built around them and um, and they're priced accurately. So what, what we're starting with is um, helping customers to, to get a sense of what they're buying right now. Um, so we do that by extracting their existing insurance information. So um, we have a few different uh, technology solutions for that. Our most popular one is our email scanner, which scrapes out insurance policies and populates people's brolly lockers. Um, and then from there, it really gives us the foundation to, to do a lot of interesting things. So, I mean, we, we can provide advice on which insurances they're missing. We can show them where they may be able to optimize a price or um, get better coverage. Um, and then in the future, it, it's really about moving people automatically around the market. So not leaving them to do things for themselves, um, which for millions of people right now, they're not shopping around. Um, they're just leaving their insurance products to renew or to renew each year. And what insurance companies do is they, they, they put up the price. Uh, and we don't think that's fair, um, mainly because, you know, if your risk hasn't changed, you haven't made a claim, why is your price increasing? Um, and we see that as a, a fundamental misalignment between customers and the insurance providers. So um, we're trying to build a more aligned product um, that has the customer um, interests um, first and foremost, and then um, build a product around that. Yeah, I've um, I've registered and downloaded Brawley in the, the Gmail scanner features like it's just so cool it's, <laughs> I didn't expect it and I was like oh my god this is really brilliant yeah um I mean so you mentioned that the market's quite fragmented so would you see that as the major hurdle of holding insurance back I would say that there's really a kind of <laughs> epidemic dysfunction in the industry which is very ingrained and there's no real like natural force that's changing it or moving towards a revolution and I think without any kind of external, you know, huge influence from a new new player, then the market is is going to be stagnant. I mean, there will be incremental improvements, but nothing that's revolutionary. And I think it's that stagnation that's holding the industry back. So, I mean, how do you get a big incumbent to move forward and evolve into a new technologically driven insurance company? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> um, I mean, I was in one. I was in a big incumbent and Aviva, which, you know, definitely has a huge profile in terms of um, incumbents that are on digital agenda. I mean, they were certainly focusing on huge cultural change, which I think is incredibly important. And I guess trying to update their systems, but those would definitely be the biggest challenges, um, people and um, the fact that it's it's hard to move what's a very big sort of yeah. oil tank yeah and I mean what upcoming changes do you think will really or could really change how insurance operates and how customers interact with it do you think I mean obviously AI but I mean like blockchain new data services what's kind of going to be the secret sauce I guess uh, all of the above I mean um, definitely artificial intelligence I mean there's there's so much progression there. Um, I mean, I, I think the pace of improvement is far faster than anyone predicted. And um, a lot of customers might not know that there's AI built into a product, but it makes things a lot faster, a lot more efficient. And so we're seeing that a lot. I mean, blockchain, I, I'm not sure. I mean, there are some implications there, more around sort of smart contracts and ways of removing, you know, necessarily an, an incumbent from being involved in the process. But 
you kind of have to take out the claims process from that. So I think, you know, all, all of these things are going <laughs> to have a, a drastic impact. And how are you utilizing AI at Brawley for your customers? Um, so we're using it in, in three areas. The first area we're using it is in our email scanner. So we use machine learning, uh, which is a form of AI, and um, that's to help us better predict whether an insurance email it, well whether it's an insurance email or not and um, that is getting faster and faster the more emails we see and we're getting in the tens of thousands of emails now so we're building up that technology the idea is that a customer connects their account and we we have their policies there in seconds rather than you know hours and um, the second area we're using it is in how we recommend policies so right now it's well it's in a very early form of the AI it's a, an expert system and um, so it's rules based in, in how we um, advise customers on their portfolio but what we'll start transitioning that into is more of a recommendation engine so we're seeing um, particular demographics of customers and which insurances they're buying and then we can better predict um, what other customers similar to them should be buying um, coupled with the expert system so those two areas and um, finally uh, will be in how we price insurance so um, because we're seeing um, because we, we don't just focus on a single silo, so we don't just focus on motor or we don't just focus on home, uh, we focus on the entire portfolio. So um, in, in risk pricing, it, it's it's more about how much data you have um, to, to better price. So, And I mean, kind of moving away from, from AI, I mean, personalization is a big theme in, in fintech. How is it being transposed into tech in general? Well, I think most new startups are focusing on personalization and um I think that the fact that they are focusing on it means that sort of directly that it hasn't been focused on before because um, customers have just been buying what's on the shelf rather than anything that's curated. Um, so, I mean, we're seeing absolutely, I mean, different types of insurance policies being built that are more, you know, a different type of contents policy that has smart technology built into it or short-term car insurance. We're approaching personalization very much from an entire customer portfolio angle. Um, so really deeply understanding the customer and then making sure they're protected. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, how much of a threat is InsureTech per se versus like the tech giants? So Google, Amazon, Alibaba? Well, I mean, Google already tried to enter the market and uh, they pulled out. So, um, you know, whether or not they, they come back is, is a question. Um, I think Amazon... <laughs> probably want to go in and destroy and take over any industry but in a way I think that the reason we haven't seen that so much is that it is a complex industry that's been around for, since the 1600s so it's absolutely needs an overhaul but where do you take it because you know are you focusing on underwriting are you focusing on the value chain is it the distribution and um, I think it's a lot easier to innovate on the front end than it is in underwriting so I think you know if you compare the two I'd say insurtechs perhaps, but maybe with the partnership between InsurTax with the likes of Google or other big tech companies. Yeah. And I mean, what do you think is the sweet spot between the tech and the insurance worlds? What kind of people do you look to and then to join your work at Brawley? Um, I mean, in terms of the talent we look for, I mean, pretty pretty much everyone on the team is an engineer, whether or not they're in an engineering role. So um, we're, we're a tech company, uh, first and foremost. Um, whenever we're hiring, um, we really try and find someone who brings a skill set that we don't currently have in the team. So, I mean, we have a lawyer in the team. Um, we've just made an offer to someone who has an incredibly statistical background, pricing background uh, in insurance. Um, I would say right now I'm the only insurance um, background in the team. Oh, wow. Um, so we're trying to, we're trying yeah. to change that. But um, it's, 
we don't necessarily look to the industry unless it's an insurance specific role yeah um, yeah i mean i think that that makes sense there's so much to learn from other industries absolutely um, it's, it's the absolutely. one i think it's the key to innovating and within insurance and especially within um, banking overall. Um, So, I mean, outside of Brawley, who do you think is doing interesting things um, in the world of insurance? I mean, there's not an awful lot of insure tech companies. Um, I mean, I loved what Oscar did in the States in terms of, um, you know, really changing the health insurance market at a time where it was really important to do so. At Brawley, we, we very much look at not necessarily insurtechs, but we look at other fintechs and we look at other companies that we're inspired by. I mean, we love uh, what Monzo are doing. We love what TransferWise are doing. Um, so a lot of you know our inspiration comes from that mm-hmm. rather than necessarily other, other insurtechs. And any inspiration completely outside of the world of fintech and... Airbnb for design. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you, you're a big proponent of femtech. What does it really mean and why is it so important? I mean, further than just, you know, women building technology, I think that is important for every, you know, um, protected characteristic and the diversity spectrum to be involved in in building and shaping products because if you, you know, the the people that you're building them for, it needs to be representative of that. So you don't want to have every company built by white males. That would be awful. (laughs) (laughs) Completely agree. So sort of wrapping up with some advice and, and motivation. So what is your number one productivity tip? Number one productivity tip. Um, let's see. Radical focus and probably inbox zero. Are you familiar with inbox zero? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a feeling I'm going to start using it after. It's, it's a, a philosophy of having absolutely nothing in your inbox, archiving everything that you've dealt with, and it removes a lot of stress. Okay, cool. I'll have to look into that. Um, and I mean, how do, you, how do you motivate a team? Getting people bought into the vision, um, the whys, uh, giving people, you know, the autonomy to feel like ownership over that vision and um, letting them make their own decisions about how you achieve that. Yep. Okay. And what's the best career advice you've ever received? Quit your job. (laughs) Nice. And I mean, lastly, where is Brawley going? What do you want customers to know you for? I mean, we're very much on a mission to make insurance fairer, uh, more efficient, more more precise, and, and one day we want to make it cheaper. So just impacting um, the lives of millions of people is what we're striving for. Great, cool. Okay, well, thank you so much and, and good luck with everything, Thank Phoebe. you so much. <laughs> so great to hear from Phoebe. Thank you so much for that. Um, I think on the same sort of uh, segue to raising money, uh, if you jump into this week's news, our first um, story we have is from TechCrunch with Kin raising $4 million, not to outdo us over here in Britain, but really interesting to see how homeowners are getting insured. And what I like about this, again, is uh, if you go through the article with, with TechCrunch, actually they're talking about folks that have looked at the market in general and said, we don't want to create a new payments company. We don't want to create things that exist already, but let's use technology to simplify things that are overly complex. Yeah. And that's beautiful. I mean, that for me sums up the fintech and insured tech space in general yeah i was pretty impressed well a four million dollars well done guys that's pretty impressive but like like you say the the principle in here that they were looking at needs and problems sort of holistically across financial services and actually found that all of the ones that um, still exist within the payment space people are addressing you know the the stripes and the squares of the world are kind of pushing through those things and really sort of there's no space for people to 
innovate any further in in that than there is or at least not not today there might be in the future um so sort of landed on property insurance and actually how that they feel that industry shows so much more promise which is amazing really i think homeowners in general over the last couple of months has had lots more focus um we'll hear in a future show from some of the folks here in the uk like neos i hope um, we saw startups like Buzzmove. we've seen the similar folks in the us using ai and camera technology there's just a lot to go after and in my mind this is all about making the whole acquisition of homeowners insurance which we're trialing it out on we all understand that we all have an opinion as frictionless and as easy as possible and take away those points in kin's case give me a zip code i'll give you insurance yeah, it sounds uh, sounds almost too easy, doesn't it? We'll see what uh, see what they do. But uh, well done, guys, and uh, look forward to seeing what you do with the money. Uh, next up, we have a story in CB Insights. So this is earnings call roundup, which in itself is probably not so interesting. But actually, what was really interesting from this is the insurance CEOs say changes coming, which for me sounds like a uh, a nice sort of Game of Thrones reference right there. That I'm not sure the guys from CB Insights were meaning, but you don't you're not a big Game of Thrones fan, are you, Nigel? You, you so that one's over your head. You Game of Thrones. So I have no clear what you mean, but I do love insurance. So that's a good thing. But actually, I think what the the key thing for me here is we're not just looking at previous performance and where we're going and whatever else. Actually, at a, at a C-suite level, at an exec level today, we are seeing the executives of the insurance companies being called out on what are you doing and what's your approach and what's your strategy for this disruption that everyone's talking about. So hype has now um, reached a whole new level. Uh, and interestingly, the feedback we've got, if you speak, to, if you look at the Chubb stuff or, or travelers, it's really insightful as to we're taking it seriously. We have some things that are going on. We've executed well. Um, you look at what they've talked about with Simply Business, for example. This isn't an overnight whim. These are things that have been in place for a long time, and we're now executing on the strategy. And this, for me, is interesting. I think as you see the rest of the results come out, you've seen um, over the last few days, the UK guys starting to come out with their uh, announcements and so forth. This, for me, is fascinating. You'll see almost everyone come out and say, we have a plan for the future. What I really liked about this, actually, was the... Uh, so everybody's comments in this were, were not just front-end fluff. You know, this wasn't about a better presentation that the, you know, either the president of Hartford or the people from, from Chubb were actually sort of talking about. It was about the disruption all the way through the value chain. So whether it be how they're materially making the operations in call centers more efficient and providing better access to data to give better service to customers or whether it be about the usage of machine learning to change the digital experiences that people actually have then it was really sort of disruption all the way through that value chain um, that's really sort of refreshing to see because it actually feels like they really sort of get it both in terms of what they were saying but the fact that they were saying it in the first place was was pretty refreshing for me no i agree i think the other thing i mean whilst the hype and excitement is there and it's now reached the analyst calls i think it's as interesting to say you know we're still pragmatic look at evan greenberg's quote changes coming and he listens to a lot of the loud talk these days some of the talk is ahead of the reality at the moment and that's an absolute fair statement to make um of course it is there's always hype above and beyond these things but this is great yeah, completely agree. Next up on the news, we have another story from TechCrunch. I, I guess the fact that TechCrunch is featured so heavily this week is uh, kind of maybe news in itself, I guess, Nigel? For me, mainstream. So you'd expect it in the in the uh, industry press or elsewhere. Uh, the fact that TechCrunch are covering so many cool things right now, specifically in insurance, to me opens up the, the market to a whole new sector of, of awareness, to be fair. 
they've, so, they've sorry they've done connected cars for a long time they've done electric vehicles of course they're going to cover the Teslas and everything else of the world put those things together with an insurance and you start to get a really holistic picture of what's going on so onto the article then so we've got startups want to change what you insure and how you insure so this is another one on TechCrunch sort of interesting one and actually a, a nice sort of overview of all of the things that are actually sort of happening in the industry really so they go into the impact that uh, on-demand insurance is actually having uh, how cover of uh, home insurance is fundamentally changing um, even into how the the sort of impact and of all of the sort of where devices that we've got is impacting the the information that we're gathering for life insurance it feels like the connected thing through all of this as we talked about on the last episode is data um, I'm not sure about what you think Nigel no without a doubt I think the, the recognition here is again that insurance firms are laggards to how the business models of organizations change i.e how we acquire stuff how we use stuff how we use things in this utility world whether it's an airbnb whether it's a car or whatever it might be um, a short-term office space how we do those things is different and therefore the the product we buy as insurance or insurance as we know it today has to fundamentally change to support that mm. and i think it's easier for startups to um, create that product from scratch rather than the movie a legacy world to go and support that yeah and I, and I guess you know to a certain degree back to what um, Phoebe was saying earlier on then that's exactly the case right you know that we, we're seeing people leaving big incumbent organizations to go and fix very niche pieces within industries but actually now we're seeing thousands of companies being started to fix those niches which is phenomenal really you know it really does feel like the uh, through investment we're now seeing a real boom in in, in short time Re- recognize the opportunity the same is true from the kin guys we talked about earlier uh, you look at their history and they're from places like Groupon so they're already used to disrupting and they're leaving the disruptors to go and disrupt again so it's almost serial disruption taking place time and time again Serial entrepreneurs, you've got to love it. Uh, next up on Forbes, we have the new frontier of InsureTech. That sounds like it needs a dumb But uh, smart helmets that protect your wallet. So this this is quite an interesting one, and there's a really good video on this uh, if you have a look in the show notes for this. And um, that actually goes through specifically how this all works. So this is smart helmets for motorbike riders, and actually using all of the data of how the motorcyclist is actually driving to start really sort of impacting warnings and alerting, as well as the premiums that they can expect to do. Now, I guess there's a certain sort of you know paradox here that if you buy a motorbike you're probably fond of going reasonably quickly and stopping reasonably quickly I was so. say it depends on the bike that you buy i mean i i have a pedal power bike so i definitely wear um, a cycle helmet and for me that's important it goes back to data doesn't it at the end of the day and if you look at the quote in here you talk about if the user understands the benefit of the system which is to save money then they will change their behavior leading to safer driving that can be taken out of helmets and applied to smart watches to smart homes to um, telematics in cars or whatever else so it's the same business model same mentality now providing data through something just another device i mean for years now we've seen great camera footage from either dash cams that have helped prevent fraudulent claims or um, cycle cameras and gopros on top of people's helmets as they go through rides and various abuses as you cycle through london so it's just data that comes out and now leveraging the data in this instance for uh, insurance. Yeah, well, it, uh, again, it's a, a data play being executed by, a, you know, a, a kind of a, an internet-enabled devices, which is, is really uh, what we like to see. My only warning on this is I'm sure I've seen this before and as an avid Kickstarter fan, I think people will, will have seen 
people raise money for a smart helmet that didn't take off mm. well I, I guess it's that paradox of of choice isn't it and, and maybe this is why we we haven't really seen things like telematics in in cars really take off because i think it's human behavior you know i think people humans generally will like the the lowest premium rather than necessarily the premium that suits their behaviors to a certain degree because i guess it's like a if i was rewarded purely on good behavior for eating and that lovely burger that i ate last night then uh, sort of found that up then i think human behavior probably denotes that they like to be treated better than they are rather than as good as they are it's choice and optionality i'm not, gonna, I'm not i don't think i'm going to agree with you actually on the telematics one and i think we are starting to see it take off more it's still very early days re- really early days um and if you look at other countries they have adoption rates up to 20 and 25 percent if you look, look at places like uh, italy for very different reasons but i think telematics specifically is a slightly different one and if you move to connected car by default when you buy a new car or more data and sensors in the, in the vehicles again we'll start to see insurers and manufacturers partner in a different way to give you a new product sure i I guess it's the impact that it has on the premium right if if you if you have no option and actually it's the difference between an all-you-can-eat data policy and one that sort of monitors and measures my sort of day-to-day usage isn't it if it works out more cost-effective for me to be on one than the other then i guess that'll be sort of where people will sort of preference into won't they yeah and it's balancing the reasons why you have insurance in the first place why you need it and why you have a black box so it might for example if i'm a young driver or an occasional driver we spoke to freddie last time for example an occasional driver go and get the cover that i need at a specific point in time and i'll use it as and when on a utility basis but if i actually need that for my job and my only way i can do that as a young driver or as a new driver is through a black box or an app on my phone or whatever else again it's just working out the thing that you need and how you enable it best so i think we're gonna see a lot more of it is it is it therefore like a good category for high risk potential so to your point with sort of young drivers you know i remember my uh, lovely Vauxhall nova my first car there that i was being asked i think it was two thousand pounds to insure you know if i could have proved that i was a safe driver which i wasn't uh, but if i could have proved that i was a safe driver by pretending to you know acting and being a safe driver that that would have materially impacted it yeah then absolutely it allows the few to not be tarred by the many absolutely this is back to the personalization of risk through data and insight and then you combine those into your watch your home habits and everything else that you do you start to build up a really insightful picture about customer behavior I would buy that. Um, so moving on, uh, and from one insurance that I could have done with as a kid to now one that I can do with as an adult. So this is a, a story that we've got on insurance age. So this is InsureTech Futures, Alliance partners with startup Flock on drone insurance. Now, having just bought a drone, this seems very, very interesting to me because um, I guess there's sort of a few different things at play in this. I guess it's me breaking it or breaking something with it, right? Yeah, there's there's lots here on this one. And I'm actually, like you, I'm a, a drone fan or a UAV fan, if we want to call them as, a, as they're supposed to be called. If we want to get really geeky about it. Someone said to be drones are actually armed, so you can't really call them, call them that way. Um, anyway, that aside, I, I think this is really interesting because it shows a um, a major scale insurer looking to address a net new market. Drones are in the news on a too frequent basis for all the wrong reasons, be it privacy, be it flying too close to an, an aircraft or otherwise. So there's a lot here about actually how will the government regulate and ensure that future social drone pilots have the right cover and um, abide by the FAA rules, which you have to do today anyway. 
in fact, many of the drone providers link to GPS systems, so they won't let you take off in an in a area that is close to an airfield. Now, of course, you can override all that with third-party software if you choose to, and there's always going to be ways around it. But I, I think I found if you if you turn down the volume on your iPhone, those beeps stop annoying you. But uh, yeah, that uh, that that does happen. <laughs> he but, didn't just say that. The, um, but I think there's, there's a lot there's a lot here, and so so, so for 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 social use. Um, helping them out with insurance is interesting. The real, the real benefit here will be around commercial use of drones um, and things like this. Whether you're a real estate agent that's looking at stuff, whether you're jumping into something like um, aerobotics that are doing uh, using drones for farming and everything else. There's a whole raft of these things going on right now, and the increase in drones that we'll see in the sky whether it's amazon testing them last year for delivery of packages and so much more uh, insurance is is an absolute must for this yeah I, I think the the thing that i find really interesting about this is that so alliance have delivered obviously in partnership with with flock they've delivered a pay-as-you-fly insurance which in itself is quite a you know major step for a, an incumbent insurance company but then they're doing combination of t- types of insurance so it is an element of protection it is an element of liability so you're protecting the the drone itself which you know can be i think it was 600 pounds or something the one that i picked up as well as me injuring somebody else with it so you know it, it's actually a pretty major step this you know it's a you know a as you use it and mash up of different types of insurance products so you know well done for Allianz for um, taking an interesting step to um, to move something forward and I think I'll be a customer by the weekend you and me both and we should definitely get Brian and Ed on to come talk about it further sounds good so that's all we have for you this episode. Thank you very much for listening and thank you for all the great feedback. Me and Nigel have been really, really happy with all the things that we've been seeing. So thanks very much for that, the guys. Absolutely. Uh, if you want to hear a specific story covered in the news segment, make sure you submit it to our news platform, fintechinsidernews.com, uh, and that will get it in the running, hopefully. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. Tell your friends and your colleagues, maybe your loved ones. Nigel, we'll be back next episode. Look forward to it. Thank you very much.